it's so weird because like you're recording and I'm not like it just <laughs> this is so I know you're like wait I'm not doing any work <laughs> I know it's so weird dude <laughs> hey when you're when you're dealing with quote unquote professional podcasters you gotta have each other's back you know <laughs> dude thank you <laughs> Hey, if you'd like to support this podcast, mosey on over to anchor.fm slash drivesafetextwinhome, and guess what? You could throw $100. You could throw a nice living wage. Just a nice living wage. That Let's keep it there. But if you'd like to support, go over there and throw something at me. That would be awesome. Thank you. Drive Safe Text Win Home with your human host, Josh Matthews. Hey, everyone. This is a podcast that I'm not recording, and he currently is, and I'm here with... Ray Harkins from 100 Words or Less, the podcast. Dude, oh man, like to hear that is like so, so mind blowing to me because like, again, like I've been listening to you for years and, and dude, like to actually hear your voice talking to me and not being like the fly on the wall is so like sick. <laughs> like I'm stoked, <laughs> dude. This is so cool. Well, thank you, man. I, I appreciate that. It's always fun to... Because, yeah, I mean, podcasting is such an interesting thing where it, it, it is a communal experience where you can obviously listen to it and build a community around it. But then, you know, it's a really isolating thing. And so when you get feedback directly from people, whether it's email or, you know, the the nice thoughts that you said right there, yeah. uh, it, it just makes it feel, you know, that much more real. So it's like, yeah, this is great. So, yeah, thanks. Thanks for listening. <laughs> yeah, dude, no, of course. Like, it, it's just like, to me, like your podcast has always been like the easiest listen to just, just, to be able to listen to. I just I like, first of all, you're you have a great voice for it. And it just it just feels like very personable. And like, you're not you're not straight up just asking like questions. Like you're actually like having the conversation with, which I love. And like, that makes it just feel so much more natural. And like, you're not just being that, that like dude sticking a microphone in some dude's face saying like, yo, what's your favorite band or something like that. Like, uh, that's what I've always loved about your podcast. Thank you, man. Yeah. I, I, I am glad you pick up on that. Cause it's definitely something that is really important to me. Cause like, I don't have, I mean, I don't have to do this. Like, yeah. obviously this is like a, you know, a labor of love and like, yes, I, you know, make some money off of it, but it's one of those things where when you are able to, you know, usher a person along, tell their story, you know, in their own words, but then be able to, you know, ask questions in more of a conversational form, it is to me, it's much more illuminating. It's obviously not to your exact point. I don't care about your new record. I, I mean, you know, <laughs> like I'm, be, I'm being hyperbolic, but like yeah. <laughs> I don't care about your recent tour. Like all of that stuff is irrelevant. Like I just want to know why you still care about this subculture, you know, as you've either grown up in it, you know, grown away from it or whatever the case may be, like why you still care about it. Because I, I think it's, you know, the older I get, it's funny that I find myself caring even more and more about this stuff in ways that I never anticipated, you know, when I first started getting into punk and hardcore when I was like, you know, 15 or 16. And yeah. so it's, but to your point, I, I really do try to, you know, make it conversational. And then, uh, you know, for people that like want just an interview, like they can go elsewhere. <laughs> like I just don't, I'm not interested in that. And I, 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 and people, you know, have like given me feedback and like, you know, emailed me being like, I just remember one email I got from a person after I interviewed uh, Jordan, the singer of Newfound Glory. Oh, okay. It was, uh, you know, we, we were talking about like his parents going through a divorce and like their, you know, his parents got divorced at like an older age, like okay. he was older. And it was one of those things where, you know, he wasn't like bearing his soul, but it was like a vulnerable moment. And 
it was one of those things where what am I supposed to do and just be kind of like, oh, like, okay, moving right along. It's like, so I kind of, you know, I shared some of myself, my own personal story with divorce, whatever. And this person, when they emailed me, they were just like, you know, you interject too much. Like you talk too much about yourself. And I was like, okay, like that, this is, you want an interview. You're not going to get that here. So anyways, I just always remember that because it was such a, it it was revealing to me the fork in the road that certain people want a certain thing out of a conversation versus someone who wants an interview. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm just not, you know, we agree to disagree. Yeah, (laughs) dude, that to me, that's so weird because like, I love this type of like, podcast just like where you're just talking because like because like again that person could basically open up more because like they've been they've had a million interviews especially newfound glory they've been around forever and like like you have probably heard everything but like what he probably opened up to you more than he would have done on any other like interview or other podcast that was just a straight up like yo your your record's dope like let me hear it like like what did you do how was your guitar what what mic did you use it's like dude no like i want to know who you are like that's what i love about that yeah yeah i mean i i call those interviews like you know adjust the facts ma'am and i (laughs) and i i think honestly pre-internet those interviews were much, much more functional um, yeah. and they served a greater purpose. But now in an age where everybody is is not only drowning in information, but more importantly, drowning in a, a lack of context, like it is so difficult to put things in their place. Like, yes, you can know what this certain band or this musical genre is by reading the Wikipedia page and, yep. you know, listening to some songs on Spotify or whatever. But until you hear those stories from the people who like either lived through it or played a part of it. It's so difficult to put in context. And I think that's what is incredibly important to me to be able to extract and place these things in context through people's stories. And so, yeah, I I agree wholeheartedly. Yes, dude, you, you literally like, Oh, that was perfect. That like, I I love that. That that's exactly, that's exactly why I love your podcast. (laughs) Like, thank you. Yeah, exactly, dude. It's so sick. And then also like, like that, that like, what made you even want to start podcasting? Because I know you started like doing it with like uh, Joey and Jeremy for forever ago. And then like, what made you break off from that? Yeah. So I'll, I'll correct you. It was actually my friend, Scott. Oh, uh, Joey. Okay. Yeah. No, because I mean, Jeremy has been an integral part to the show where, you know, he comes on every year to, yeah. you know, do the year end podcast and everything. But um, yeah, so it was myself, the, if you go, very, very back, far back into the archives of the, uh, you know, uh, 100 Words or Less feed, you can see at the very beginning, it's, it was a show called First World Problems. Yes. And yeah, it was myself, uh, my friend Joey, as you mentioned, and then uh, our mutual friend Scott. He, um, and basically it was just, a, it was, I loved podcasts and I wanted to do it. And I was like, okay, what better way to do it than with friends? Yeah. And so, very similar conceit of, you know, having conversations, but like it was much more structured where it was like, Hey, we're going to bring on a guest and, you know, kind of interview them, but then also talk about new records and like a movie that we saw recently and just kind of mixing it up about pop culture. Heck yeah. Um, and it was, uh, you know, it was extremely fun. And we had, I mean, we did like 20 some odd episodes like that, okay. but, uh, frankly, what I ran into was like, it, it just felt like work because of the schedules and schedule. Okay. Yep. It, you know, it, it's difficult enough to get two people on the same page, let alone four, if not five people. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I, it just got, it got so tiring and, uh, I, I just didn't enjoy that aspect of it. Um, 
And so I honestly, I was like for a while there, we like I didn't publish any episodes for about three or four months under that moniker. And then I was kind of like, I still want to do this, but I just want it to be an interview with, uh, you know, another person. And so I was, I was kind of sheepish with my friends. I was like, well, Hey guys, uh, I, you know, I, I thought they were <laughs> going to be mad at me cause I was like essentially kicking them out of the podcast, <laughs> but, but, um, you know, I, I came to them and I was like, Hey, we haven't done an episode in a couple months. Like, would you guys care if I just like kind of did this on my own? And they, you know, they were like, Oh yeah, it's fine. Like, cause at that point they were not, um, you know, invested in it anymore. Yeah, yeah. They were just kind of moved on. And so that, uh, that basically is where a hundred words or less, you know, kind of manifested out of. And then, uh, I've just been doing it ever since. And so I just, but the, the core of why I wanted to do this, you know, this interview based podcast was exactly what I was spoke about previously, where I just really liked, I, I, I did interviews and I did a lot of writing for zines in the late nineties and early two oh, thousands. Yeah. And I just loved that documentation of this either time and a place and a person and their band. And I, I've always loved that. And I just wanted to do like, you know, essentially podcast or audio zines. Like that's all it really is. Oh, okay. And so I just, that's why I felt kind of compelled to do this. And once I discovered the medium of podcasting and, you know, kind of got, uh, you know, my feet wet with the first world problem stuff, I knew that I just wanted to, you know, continue it on have discussions with people who are involved in independent music and then, you know, document it. So that was all the, uh, the journey as it were. Oh, dude, that's awesome. Like that, like, that that's perfect and then like how you mentioned like how it was like like doing zines and like basically doing like a like a vocal version of a zine is so cool like because i recently talked to someone that has like does zines over like on the other coast and i was like oh dude like because i've always wanted to understand like zines like i've i've only seen him a little bit at shows and like he was like, yeah, I do this. And I was like, oh, dude, so basically you're just doing like a written version of a podcast. That's that's super sick. Like, I I never thought of it that way. And like, yeah, dude, that's it's so cool to know that that, that that's where it came from. Like, I love that, dude. Yeah. Oh, I, and I, I think it's it's basically, yeah, it's just utilizing another medium. Yeah. Uh, I mean, zines are obviously uh, something that, like you said, are, are, you know, few and far between, like, mm-hmm. I still love like one of my f- favorite, I just a recent purchase from, um, there's this company called Holy Mountain Print- yes. Printing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they do a zine called, you know, we do what we want. And it's this beautiful, I wouldn't even call it a zine because it's this, it's almost like a coffee table book. Oh, <laughs> um, nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, they're, you know, like maybe like 11, 12 bucks a piece. They've done two issues, but it's just, it's really cool because they do features on artists. They do, um, you know, features on bands, but basically anybody that is a part of their, their merch community, uh, they, you know, feature in the, in the, the magazine. And so I just love, I, I love when people, again, document this stuff, try to explain where people come from, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, podcasting was just like a logical extension of that. Dude, that's so cool. Like, I, I really want to check that out because I, I recently heard you talking to Dylan uh, like from Full of Hell and like how he wrote some stuff for it. And I was like, oh, that's super sick. I really want to like, really want to check that out. Especially because like, like, I love that band and and like Holy Mountain Printing, it puts out some ridiculous merch. So I, I, I definitely want to check that out. I didn't, I didn't even like knowing that they have two. I probably am going to buy both of them now. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, same. Same. I mean, I, I was like, I, I saw that they had put the first one out, and I'm like, oh yeah, I mean to check it out, or I've been meaning to check it out. But then once they put out, the, I think they their idea is that they put out once, uh, one every three months or so. But yeah, oh, okay. it's, a, it's a really, really cool zine. So yeah, I, I, anybody that's putting out 
the uh, you know a, a printed medium <laughs> of that is featuring independent music. Like you know, I'm all about it. Like honestly. <laughs> the uh you know decibel magazine which obviously is a great magazine like yes. and they've been doing it for you know over 10 years uh you know and i've been a subscriber ever since issue one because i do nice. feel like it's like a zine and like even though there's a lot of bands that i may not identify with musically because uh -huh. like i've never been a sort of tried and true metalhead even though i appreciate a lot of it yeah um i still just like absolutely adore that magazine because they do Again, they play stuff in context. They, you know, do really in-depth features on bands and just like really, really cool inventive stuff. And so I, I applaud anybody that puts any effort into the printed medium like that. Heck yeah, dude. And like, and then going back to like how you said, like you've been meaning to get into that zine. It's it, it, in the same vein. Like I, like I said, I've been listening to your podcast for years and like, I, I've known about like Taken and Mikoto and like, and like, <laughs> it sucks because I recently, like after I like, like message you i was like i'm gonna check them out finally which pissed me off because once i listened to it i was like this is so badass why haven't i been listening to this forever and like so yeah so like i was just like dude like uh, it's like one of those things where like i don't know if you, you do this probably everyone does this with their friends but like a friend will be like yo check this band out and then you're like okay you go home you don't check it out for like six months then you throw it on and then you're like okay, this band's amazing. Why didn't I know about this earlier? Then your friend will be like, yeah, I showed you like six months ago. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you, there, there is a, <clears throat> there is an actual, you know, like science behind that. Like something needs to be recommended to you, you know, just from like a marketing or advertising perspective, regardless of the input, Yeah, you need to hear it like, you know, between five to seven times, whether it's like an actual commercial, whether it's word of mouth, like it needs to be repeated <clears throat> And, you know, it, it's more valuable if it's coming from different sources rather than just like, you know, oh, I'm only advertised to. And it's like, oh, geez, like, I'm not going to check it out. Like, yep. I don't care about that. But if your friend is like, yo, check that out. It's like, oh, well, I did see it advertised to me and my friend likes it. So now there's enough motivation for me to do that. But no, I totally understand that. And like I one of the, you know, unintended consequences of doing the podcast is like, you know, still being connected to this community and having people who have no freaking clue that I played in a band, which is <laughs> completely fine. I could care yeah. less like that. It, it's so cool to have people like I remember when Taken played some shows up in uh, Canada in like 2018, I want to say it was, a, you know, it was a couple years back, yeah. but I had people that came to the show who were like, dude, I'm so excited. I never thought I'd get a chance to see you guys play. I didn't even know about your band, but I listened to your podcast. And I was like, that's, I was like, that's awesome. Like, I don't care how you, you know, got into this thing. Like, as long as you're here, that's all that matters to me. Yes. Oh, dude, that's, that's so cool. Like, just like, again, like it's another medium that they found you and then they have another medium to, to accept you in or like to, to view you in that. No, that's so badass, dude. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And it's like, I, I love the idea of people being like, oh yeah, you like your band sucks, but like, I like your podcast <laughs> or vice versa. It's like, I don't, I don't care. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I care. Like, yes, my feelings could be hurt from yeah. an ego perspective, but like, I actually don't care. Like what I do care is the fact that like, we have a relationship and we care about a lot of the same things. Like, even though we might not agree on a hundred percent of, you know, our artistic tastes, yeah. we will still probably agree on most of them. And that's cool. And that's that to me, that's way more important than like, Oh dude, you know, we can only be friends if you like my art. It's like, <laughs> nah, that's fine, man. Yeah, exactly. Dude. Like that. <laughs> I love that. that. Because like, yeah, you don't, 
dude no you said it perfectly i can't even i can't even like begin to formulate words for that like <laughs> like <laughs> but like dude and <laughs> that's like especially knowing that like you were playing shows and they they wanted to like just meet you because of the podcast that makes it even cooler to know that they figured it out like yo he plays in a band he's playing shows near me like let's go see it like that's that makes it even cooler dude mm-hmm. yeah well it just it goes to show the you know the effort that a person would put into it where it's like okay it already takes buy in to listen to a podcast and then on top Mm -hmm. of that being like okay i'm gonna do more research on this person and oh they played in a band and like all those steps to get to a person you know get a person to come out to a show yeah and it's just like that's like you know you're already pot committed and invested on this and like i can't be anything more than you know extremely thankful that you're even here and it's just yeah it's really really cool Dude, and uh, that's so sick. And like, because like with your podcast, did you ever, did you notice like when it started to like get like more traction or like, like I guess quote unquote, like started to take off? Like, uh, like, like, w- like, did you notice like a general gradual like uh, growth in it or was has it been like steady the whole time? Yeah, that's a good question. I think... Uh, there there definitely was never a moment in which just because I've been doing it for so long, I mean, it's like I'm going on eight years now, like 400 some odd episodes. Damn, dude. And so there, there were moments where, you know, like the, uh, I think a a real specific moment was like, um, I've had uh, buddy Nielsen from census fail on a couple of times, but this was back, gosh, this was maybe 2016 or something like that. He came to me because he had moved out to uh, the Southern California area and him and I actually started to hang out and become friends. And he came to me and he brought this, uh, you know, he was like, Hey, I, you know, I've got a lot of, you know, demons to exercise in regards to like my story and my personal journey in regards to like addiction, you know, sexual identity, a lot of heavy stuff. Yeah. And he was like, I want to come on your podcast and talk about this because for one, I trust you. And for two, I feel that this is, you know, much better contained, uh, in the podcast format than it, you know, like a, a full page, you know, interview and alternative yeah. press oh, or yeah. whatever the case may be. And so, once we did that episode, I felt really, um, you know, I felt really good about it because I was able to, you know, sit with him and obviously help him tell his story. Um, and that podcast obviously got a lot of attention because people were just like, holy moly, like, you know, he's, um, you know, revealing a lot about himself. So yeah. that was special for me. Uh, and, you know, I was obviously also really popular as well from a download perspective. And then also it's like people have come to me with these ideas of like, I want to express this, you know, side of myself that I don't normally get to express. And so I think to me, that was when I felt for lack of a better term, like validated, you know, that like this was an outlet that people not only paid attention to, but people felt like this was worthy, you know, that it was part of, it was a quantifiable commodity that like, I can tell my story. um, It will be on my own terms. It will actually get to people. It's not just like, me talking to one person in a corner, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I felt like those were, you know, that was a really pivotal moment. And then, you know, kind of on that similar token, um, Cameron Miller, a friend of mine who uh, plays in a band called Seizures. Oh, okay. um, they've Yeah, they've since broken up. But uh, he came on my show to talk about, um, you know, he, he attempted to commit suicide a couple of times as a Whoa. teenager. And he had never like publicly expressed this. And so, you know, again, being a safe space for a friend of mine to be able to kind of, you know, come on, express themselves, and then also have people 
listen to that story and be able to feel less alone because of that. I'm yeah. just like, dude, this is great. Like again, a completely unintended consequence of be starting this thing. Yeah. But um, that was, those were definitely kind of, you know, real defining moments for me. And then also just like random stuff of people being like, you know, at shows coming up to me and being like, Hey, like, you know, I really like your podcast. There, I, there was one time I was at chain reaction here in Southern California and someone, I was behind someone and they turned around and they were like, oh, I thought that was you because I recognized your voice. And oh, I was like, dude, <laughs> I was like, that's really cool because, you you know, people like, you know, I, I have been, quote unquote, recognized before people are like, oh, you think for taken <laughs> yeah. like, that's cool. But to ha- to be recognized by my voice, I was like, dude, that's really, really cool and special. Um, and so, yeah, those are those are some moments that, uh, you know, I'll hold close to me. Oh, dude, I love that. That I, I get, I get like to like be noticed because of your like natural speaking voice is that's mind blowing. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it definitely is. It definitely is. Yeah. But yeah, it's, and, and it's just, you know, to your point of, or your original question of like, you know, the growth over time and yeah, it's, it's at a, it's at a point where it's like, I know that if I release an episode, people are going to listen to it and, you know, enjoy it. And, you know, will it be as popular as like my most popular episode every single time? Of course not. But that I don't care about that. I just care about the audience that is consuming that. And I love, I love when people are like, oh man, I just found out about your show last week. And like, I've got eight years of shows to listen to. And I'm like, first of all, don't do that to yourself. Like that's a lot of listening time, but um, you know, but well, like welcome on board. Like, you know, it just feels like it just always kind of collecting people and, you know, building a little community, uh, you know, whatever, for whatever that's worth. Yeah, no, that's awesome, dude. Like that, that's, that's the best thing about it. Like, like you, 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 you accidentally started a community and, and it's, and it's basically like super positive for the most part. And like that's what I love about it. Just like how that's how it just should be. And I, I love that. Like most, like, like, except for like that, like you said that one dude that just says like, yo, I just want questions. Like, don't make it a conversation. Like, of course you're going to have those bad apples in there. But like knowing that you have connected with, people that you've never talked to and they've just heard you talking to someone else is, is such a beautiful thing. And I, I, I just, and just something that you started out of nowhere, just like a band, like you started it, you, you wrote a song out of nowhere and that could have affected someone so much that they're like, damn, like I'm not going to do this or I'm going to do this because of this. And like, it's, it's such a, it's such an amazing thing. Yeah, no, for sure. I, 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 I feel really lucky to be able to, you know, interact with people, like that on a weekly basis and then you know be able to bring those conversations to everybody else oh dude and then and then one one thing is that like i've always like wanted to know like is has there been like a guest that you've had on that you never thought in a million years that you would ever be able to talk to absolutely it's still it still happens a lot (laughs) Um, (laughs) that's cool Totally. And so, yeah, I mean, some moments, uh, just like funny things that I had to do. Um, so there was a, 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 a vocalist of a band named, uh, born against and the vocalist was named Sam, Sam McFeeders, you know, like really legendary, you know, punk hardcore band, like in the nineties and you know, really like anti-capitalist, um, okay. you know, the singer is like infamously like anti-social, um, even though he's like an incredibly gregarious guy, yeah. um, you know, he's just been, he's kind of prickly. Yeah. And so, <laughs> I, uh, I really wanted to have him on the show because like, he just doesn't do a ton of interviews and like, he still is, you know, connected to punk and hardcore. He did a band called Wrangler Brutes as well. Um, this was like in the mid two thousands, but anyways, 
long story short, I had to write him a postcard. So I <laughs> no wrote away. Yeah, I wrote him a postcard <clears throat> being like, hey, I, here's my podcast. Like it kind of gave him my pitch. Um, I'd love to have you on the show. And so, you know, mailed it to him. And then like a week later, uh, I found it really funny because then he emailed me. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm like, hey, hey, Sam. He's like, yeah, you know, the, it sounds like a cool idea. Like I would love to do the show. And I'm like, this is awesome. And then when I spoke to him, it was, you know, a great conversation. Like he wasn't prickly in any capacity. Um, and I, you know, I even mentioned, I was like, I found it interesting that you know i had to write you a postcard in order to get you on here and he was like yeah it's like you know it's kind of self-selection where if someone really really wants me you know to do some sort of press opportunity they'll have to you know take that extra step as opposed to like you know just toss an email off or whatever so i was like hey respect like you know you want to make sure that the time spent is valuable as opposed to like anybody they can just reach out to you on you know instagram or whatever dude um, yeah that's amazing yeah. that totally I, that was a really that was a really special one and then um i had a uh, john k sampson from the weaker thans and propagandy or oh, propagandy nice. hell yeah and he he is notoriously press shy and so this was like a two three year uh, you know journey where it was wow. like I would try to, uh, you know, go through the, like the official channels of, you know, working through, uh, you know, Epitaph because he put out records on Epitaph and just kind of like, you know, going through friends of friends. Um, and then finally it was, you know, a couple years later, uh, and, and by that time I had, uh, Chris, the vocalist of Propagandi on the show. Um, and so, you know, I had a really good interview with him and it was funny because I, I was listening to the weaker Thans one day and I uh, was talking to my wife and I was, you know, I was like, man, I just, I really, really want to have John K. Sams on the show. Cause I, I just think it would be so much fun to have a conversation with him. And I love his band so much. And she was like, why don't you ask Chris from Propagandi if he would like help? And I was like, actually, that's a good idea. And so then I hit Chris up and I was like, Hey, you know, do you think he'd be interested? I, if he's not, I totally get it. I don't want to be that guy that's like punishing people. Yeah. And he's like, no, he's like, I, I think he would be. And so, you know, Chris put in a good word for me and gave me his email, uh, get John's email. So then I emailed John and uh, John wrote back and I was ecstatic. And he was like, <laughs> he was like, hey, um, I, I, my house is, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of a move and my house is getting redone, et cetera, et cetera. He's like, could you write to me in eight months? And I was like, whoa, um, I was like, Sure. So like I literally almost to the day I had a little <laughs> reminder in my calendar. Be like, Here we go. I'm emailing you, John. And uh, then he was like, because oh yeah, he also said that he wanted to do the interview over the phone. He didn't want to do it in any other in any other way. Okay. And so I was like, okay. And this is a guy, mind you, too, um, for a solo record he put out. He only did interviews via a postcard. Like what? so, people had to have yeah, people had to do postcard correspondences with him to do an interview. Oh, that's so, cool. Again, it shows like just you know reluctant to do press. Yeah. Um. And so and like you know me talking to him was the devoid of context. Like he wasn't promoting a record. He wasn't doing anything. Yeah. Um, but anyways, he he then it was like eight months later, and then yeah, I was recording a conversation with him. And what I found funny is that he frankly was more nervous than I was like what? he was toward the, the first like 15 minutes or so I could tell where he was like, you know, uh, not like, uh, I guess overtly nervous where he was like stuttering or anything yeah. like that. But I could, <laughs> I could just tell like the flow of the conversation. I was like, Oh, he's like, you know, he's got to get, he's, he's got to get some cobwebs off. He's like, yeah. he hasn't done this in a while. And so, <laughs> but then, you know, 15, 20 minutes into it, it was totally, you know, a great conversation, but yeah, there are, I, I'm continually, I, I really like to have uh, those people who, you know, aren't on like your regular press circuit or people who have 
um, what I like to define as uh, secret punks. So oh, these are yep. people. Yeah, those are my favorite people where it's like, okay, they're creating art in some other capacity. Or they're being creative in some other capacity besides like, you know, just playing in a band. Like that is the most obvious way that people are like, oh, yeah, of course they're connected to punk or hardcore. They're yeah. playing in a band. But I love like a, a recent uh, episode I did was with uh, a woman named Emily Gullickson. And uh, sh- she's a professional gambler and she bets on horse racing. Whoa. And I heard her appear on another podcast about gambling. Like, I'm not a gambler. I don't care at all about it. But yeah. <laughs> like uh, the host of the show, I, I just follow all his work. And so she talked about being straight edge and being, you know, vegetarian and vegan and like talked about bands. And I was like, dude, that's unbelievable. Like, I never would have heard about that. So, you know, just hit her up on Twitter. And she was totally like, oh, yeah, like no one talks to me about music. Everyone just talks to me about horse racing and how I've made a living off of it. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, those to me, those are the, like the fun interviews to do because it's showcasing why this, you know, whole weird subculture that we've all gotten into and been drawn to why it still remains important, even though the person, you know, may not be playing in a band, putting out records, going to shows or whatever. It's like, it's still foundational to who they are. Yeah. Oh dude. I, that's amazing. Heck yeah. Like, and like, because I actually recently saw that episode, like I, I've been meaning to listen to that one actually, because when I saw professional gambler, I was like, how can you be professional at gambling? Like, like it, yeah. it, it was, it confused me. And like, Damn! Now, see, now I I want to listen to that episode even more just because like I'm intrigued. <laughs> yeah. Like that that's that's so sick. Yeah, and that to me those are the most rewarding conversations that I I could have that are the less obvious ones. Like you know that are not in you know really popular band A or B. It's like yeah, hey, here's this person from the podcast world. Here's this person that's like completely separate from anything that you might actually you know care about or pay attention to, but. If you listen to it and follow along their story, they're going to talk about stuff that you absolutely identify with and love and are talking about your favorite band and that you're like, wow, I never knew that that person loved that band or whatever. So, so it's cool. really it's fun. Heck yeah, dude. It, like and like how you brought up like she was talking about straight edge. Like I, I like I know you you claim straight edge, too. And like because I heard that question like on Dylan's podcast also because uh, and like. I, I wanted to hear your side of it because you asked him like how has like affected you over the years and like how do and how did people react to you like you claiming that like because like that's one question I I've been wanting to ask you forever like now so like yeah, yeah what there you go <laughs> yeah yeah no I uh, yeah straight edge is still incredibly important I mean I'm a 40 year old adult and I'm still claiming edge and it's really funny because like I don't necessarily need to do that anymore yeah like, yeah <laughs> it's not um it's not something that uh most most adults that I have conversations with obviously don't have any context for anything remotely related to you know our music scene or anything yeah, like that yeah. so they automatically assume that I'm either a recovering alcoholic uh or <laughs> super religious exactly <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And so, because I'm like, and then I don't have the time to be like, okay, here's, can you give me 15 minutes? I'm going to explain straight edge to you. It's like, I can't do that. Like, that's not, and plus, like, they don't even care about that. It's like, I I could do it, but they're not going to like, they're not going to find any value out of it. They'll be like, great. Thanks for explaining this really irrelevant thing to me. Um, But, uh, but yeah, why it's so important to me is like, 
I think it's one of those things where I've always felt like, especially more so within, uh, you know, the context of when Straight Edge was really, really violent in like the, you know, late 90s, um, you know, and arguably the early 2000s as well, where it was like this, you know, you're either with us or against us. Mm-hmm. And once it got that confrontational, there were certain elements of it, you know, as a young, dumb kid that I really liked, like the, you know, complete separation of like, okay, here's me versus the rest of society. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> like there's something compelling about that. But then, uh, you know, I, I never, um, like the most confrontational I got about it. And frankly, like I'm, I still am kind of embarrassed about it where it was like, this was, I think I was maybe, I was either a freshman or a sophomore in high school, but like I, you know, went to a party um, and it was one of those things where, you know, I mean, I was straight edge or I was claiming straight edge and, you know, I really, I've never been drunk or, you know, consumed alcohol from that perspective, but went to a party and it was one of those parties where, you know, the parents were like totally cool with the kids drinking and like, you know, all the kids were going to have a slumber party. And I just was so disgusted by that because it's like, you know, we were like 15, maybe 16. And it, I just felt so, it, it felt so wrong to me. Yeah. And so I totally wanted to, you know, just bum everybody out at the party. And so, um, <laughs> I, I, I literally like went to the bathroom, peed in a glass, poured it in this spiked punch and you didn't tell anybody um, besides, my, yeah, besides my close friends. And, <laughs> After I did that, you know, I obviously was like, hey, guys, we should probably go because, like, <laughs> you know, I I, I, I think word's going to get around. And, of course, it did yeah. within minutes. And, you know, people obviously were super pissed at me. And, uh, you know, I, we left and, like, there was no – I mean, people were getting in my face, but there was – it never escalated to actual violence. But, you know, in retrospect, I look back at that and I'm just like, God, I'm, what a self-righteous prick. <laughs> like, I – I get it from the principal perspective, but yeah. then I just was, you know, it, it's embarrassing. But anyways, I, I mentioned that that anecdotal story because I, I the reason I still call myself that is because I feel, um, you know, responsibility to portray, uh, you know, straight edge for anybody who's interested in the fact that like you can be a quote unquote normal human being um, and not be this like zealot about it, but still stay true to the principles that you started to apply you know, when you were a, a young, dumb kid, you know? Yeah. And I think that's what's what's incredibly important to me to kind of continue along with that labeling is the fact that, you know, I'm obviously I'm also, you know, very active in the community, still playing in bands and going to shows and stuff like that. And I feel that any, like, if I, you know, as I started to go to shows and I started to see people who were older than me that were, you know, still straight edge, vegan, vegetarian, whatever, like had these principles intact, I was like, that's really cool. And so, you know, I, as naive as that sounds like, I would like to be that for other people to be like, oh yeah, like you can be, you know, old and straight edge. Like that's still okay. <laughs> Dude, I love that because like, I, I'm the same way. Like I, I remember I got, I, I got drunk once before my 21st birthday. And after that, I was like, why, why, why do people want to do this all the time? And like, and after that, I was just like, yeah, never again. And ever since then, I've never touched anything just because it like, also, it just freaks me out because anything that's a foreign substance going into my body, I'm like, what is this going to do to me? Like, I don't know how I'm going to be affected or whatever, if my mind's going to be different because of it or like, and I've just never liked the idea of being drunk or anything, like knowing that I can't like drive or I can't like go anywhere that has always like freaked me out. And like I like and yeah, like also to be that person to show other people like, yo, you don't like you can be like what you 
like you don't have to follow everyone else. Like I'm not saying everyone follows, but there's a lot of people that do. And like I, I want it, I would love to be that person and be like, yo, you don't need to, and you can still be cool. You know what I mean? Like, like mm-hmm. exactly. Absolutely. I, I love. Yeah, you. You are. Um, it's the idea that you can, you know, especially if these are things that are like the at the core of your being, where it's like, yeah. you know, do I believe that? you know, alcohol and these companies that obviously profit off of, you know, substance abuse and all these things. Like I, it's horrible. It's a horrible, horrible thing. Do I believe that a person having a beer on a weekend is wrong? Like, no, of course not. But like, it's and it connects the same principles to me as you know veganism and vegetarianism it's like the system is what i don't agree with and yes. i want to remove myself from the system by not investing any capital um any emotional capital anything into it so because those things are at the core of my being that's why i'm not going to like e- either you know uh, shed these labels or obviously do these things as I continue on in my life. And to your point, exactly what you're talking about, where it's just like that, um, you know, doubling down on the fact that like, yes, you, you can do this still, and it still can be an important part of your life. Yeah. Um, you know, as you get older, it doesn't need to be just like, you know, a dumb thing you do as a teenager. Ex- exactly. Dude. Yes. Oh man. Oh, I love that. I love hearing that, man. That That's so cool. <laughs> like <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, dude. It, it, it's just cool because like, like, like almost like 90, 90% of the people I hang out with, like I, I hang out with like two people I know are straight edge. And I'm always like, dude, this is like a rare thing. And like, I remember being in high school and people like some dude asked me, it was like, like this was before I even under really understood drinking or anything. And I just didn't like the idea of it. And then I, I just wanted to try it one time. And that's what, and then that totally turned me off. And I was like, dude, I'm not, I'm not down with it. But like, in high school, like some dude was like, yo, we're going to go drink after school. You want to come? And I was like, no, I don't like doing that. And then he looked at me as if I was the weird one. And I was like, oh, okay. And he was like, okay, well, we're also going to like smoke weed. Do you smoke weed? And I was like, no. And he was like, why, why are you the way you are? <laughs> and like, I don't, I was like, I don't know. Like, this is just like how I am. Like, I just, yeah, it's just, it's a part, it's a part of me. This is like, you know, the same way that you cannot, uh, you can never predict what, you you know get drawn to who you are as a person like yeah. all these things are just kind of you know hardwired in you and of course yes there are learned traits and environmental um you know aspects to it mm-hmm. but you know a lot of it, it just boils down to like well this is literally who i am yes exactly i love that. dude yes that i love that so much man like ah oh, oh, that's so cool <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah dude and like so also like so like taking it like huh like uh like so how did like you end up starting taken anyways and like also like did you choose to like do vocals or did you like start from any other like like instrument and then just were like oh well there's no one doing vocals i guess i'll try like yeah um so i mean yeah taken i mean i started in high school so uh-huh. you know that was many many moons ago yeah. but um <laughs> The I played in a band before it called uh, Doom Society, which okay. you can close your eyes and imagine what that band sounds like. like yeah, it sounds amazing. Oh, dude, it's incredible. Um, <laughs> because yeah, I mean, it was it was you know this this really really piss poor version of you know like punk meets like sort of hardcore like just whatever. But uh, <laughs> myself and uh, Troy, our drummer of Doom Society. We, um, you know, by that time I started to get like more and more into, you know, like the victory record style, hardcore, your strife, snap case, okay. you know, earth yep. crisis, all that sort of stuff. And so I wanted to play, 
I wanted to play stuff like that and not just kind of, you know, the rudimentary punk of what we were playing before. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was like my sophomore year of high school. That's when we started to, you know, put Taken together. And uh, finding the other members was difficult because, I mean, this was kind of pre-internet. So we really didn't have... Oh, damn. Yeah, like we didn't have a lot of resources to be like, you know, we couldn't hop onto our favorite social media network. Yeah. So <laughs> we, uh, it, I mean, this, you know, it sounds like you know, complete olden times, like we were sending carrier pigeons, but like <laughs> we, we had to, po- you know, I posted flyers in like record stores um, and like guitar center and stuff like that to be like, Hey, you know, we're, we're looking for a guitarist, you know, we're a drummer and a vocalist, um, you know, like pull off this, you know, little phone number, which was my phone number and like call and, you know, we can see if we match up, yeah. um, here's our influences, that sort of stuff. So we went through, um, it wasn't a ton of people, but there definitely was some really awkward rehearsals where it was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, like this person is not on the same, like this person just wants to like, you know, play Megadeth yeah. and like, they, like, oh man, that wasn't, that wasn't the vibe. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but anyways, we finally did uh, f- find two guitarists who, um, you know, had come from a, they were a little bit older than us, but they were still in high school. Um, and they had, you know, similar influences and we got along with them. And so at that point, that's when kind of taken formed. Uh, so I think that was, yeah, it was 98, I think around, around that time. But, um, as far as like my journey as a quote unquote vocalist, yeah. and I use the air quotes <laughs> around that was exactly, you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. I had no um I, I my friend troy who played drums in doom society and then in taken um once i became friends with him like i had played drums prior to that oh, okay uh but he was such an unbelievable drummer he kind of came from the world of you know metallica pantera sepultura oh, all that damn, stuff okay and like he was you know, completely entrenched and i was like Oh, like you've got two bass drums and like you've been learning metal and like i can barely play a green day song so <laughs> you're gonna you're the drummer um i guess i'm just gonna yell into a bass amp uh that's probably my my destiny uh because i i didn't I, you know i i knew how to play like a power chord but nothing that would ever you know be defined as something that i could like you know pose as a guitarist yeah, or yeah. whatever so <laughs> so yeah i basically just did that because i was you know kind of the, the loud mouth of the group um and then yeah and then just kind of evolved over time to you know uh figure out how i can do it without completely damaging my voice and all these other things that you just kind of like learn as you do so those were those are the origin stories as it were dude and like and like also like again when i first heard heard taken i was i because especially because i i'd listen to your podcast forever and then i i heard taken i was like dude you have such like a very soft voice and like you're like it's just it's it's very soft and then i heard your pissed off vocals i was like dude this is like it's just so like polarizing like it was just like dude i would have never expected the dude from hundred words to sing in this band. And I, I know it's, yeah, it's a, I mean, and I'm sure it's very indicative of many other people that know a person in one context. And like, I mean, I, it's probably one of my favorite things when you start to get to know a person and then, you know, it's whatever, it's like, you know, random coworkers that I've existed alongside. Um, Even though I've always primarily worked in, you know, non-corporate communities except yeah. at my you know mo- my the job that i have currently and but it's just funny to be able to be like yeah you know me as this like you know nice guy like you know just whatever yeah. <laughs> like you know me as me and then i'm gonna show you my band and you're gonna be like what this, <laughs> this isn't this doesn't even match up and i'm like i know i know it doesn't like 
but it, I, you know, as, uh, as someone much smarter than me said, uh, we contain multitudes. And I think that's what's, you know, really fun about people. Once you start to get to know them and peel away their layers, you start to understand that like, oh, wow, like, you know, you're a hardcore gamer and like, you know, you like you're 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 playing, you know, Call of Duty to like three in the morning and you can like, you know, kill people like all day long. It's like, wow. OK, cool. Sick. Like, I never thought that that was you. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's fun. Dude, that that that's so cool, dude. Like, I, I, I love that. Like, oh, man. Yeah. Like, because like I've always I've I, I when I first like I've, again, just like hearing like the polarization of both of them was just so, so weird to me. And I love that. And like and like just again, dealing with like, I guess, like vocals in a way. But like when you guys went back to record your like like latest EP, how was it? How was it to get back into the studio after years of not doing anything? Like, was it very weird or was it just like, oh, this is like this is natural. Like, I, I already know what I'm going to do. Yeah. And no, it, it was something I was, I was really nervous about, not just because of, um, I wasn't nervous recording because we had worked with the same guy, uh, the producer, Bo Burchell, uh, okay. plays guitar in Seos. And he's oh, basically, shit. he's recorded everything we've ever done, um, since like 2002. So like, oh, wow. And he, uh, he's been the only person I've ever like actually enjoyed recording vocals with everything I did prior to that. I was like, this is the worst thing. Ever. Like, <laughs> it's, just, it's just terrible. Yeah. And so I wasn't nervous about the process, but at the same time, I was also like, okay, my voice is going to be different. Like it, it's going to be the same, but obviously different because I'm older and you know, that's just what happens. Yeah. Um, and so as I started to get into it, my nerves, you know, got uh, more tamped down. And then a lot of it was based on just kind of like, oh, I um, honestly, the best description that I had heard was like, you know, once I started to take the rough mixes home and like, you know, played them for my wife, she was like, oh, you sound like an adult. <laughs> and I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's I, and then listening to it in comparison and contrast, you know, comparing and contrasting like our early, earlier recordings, I was like, Oh yeah, like it just sounds, you know, a little more confident, a little more uh, lived in, Heck yeah. and uh, you know, I just, I, I really, um, you know, that was the highest compliment that could be paid from that perspective. And so, yeah, there were there were nerves going into it, but I knew that because of the people that I was working with, that I knew, uh, you know, I wasn't like going to be adrift and being just like, you know, constantly in my head and just having a really difficult time executing. It was like, okay, if there are any jitters i'll be able to work through them because it's with people who i trust oh, dude uh, so, exactly and like knowing that knowing that you went back to someone that you've been with like the whole time is is so easy and again recording vocals is probably one of the most nerve-wracking things because first of all you've most likely like mo like 99 of vocalists write their own lyrics so like it's it's a very personal part of them and for if you step in with someone else and like they don't know who you are, they don't know where you're coming from, basically, and they're just like, oh, well, maybe you should take this word out. But it's like, but that word means this to me and like or like something like and like knowing that the person understood you going in that oh, that already makes it like like miles, m miles easier. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. It's um, yeah, because I mean, recording vocals is very unnatural. Like, yes. I don't care who you are <laughs> or what style of music you play. There is uh, anything that is like rock based there. You, you have to have an element of awkwardness as you're recording vocals. Yes. Like, it's just, you know, it's not not quote unquote natural. But, um, you know, as long as you're comfortable enough to be like, OK, this is obviously not like the live show, but I'll be able to 
you know, at least duplicate a version of it that I obviously will be able to do from a live perspective. I think that's what, you know, the kind of the most important thing you have to keep in mind as you're recording. Exactly. Oh, exactly, dude. I love like that's that's perfect. Like and like and again with like i guess in the same vein like like is there are you guys like doing anything new with taken like are you guys like an album or have you ever thought about doing a live stream or anything uh live stream we haven't just because um yeah i mean like there are it's one of those things i feel i mean because we are not a quote and i use this in air quotes again like a real band in the sense of like (laughs) we have to like hustle to you know make money off this or anything like that um so there, there's never been any discussion about that, but you know, there is a desire like we're, um, we had to cancel, uh, a tour that we were supposed to do in Japan. Oh, I um, saw that. Yeah. So, and like we had to postpone it twice for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, so we're looking to go back there in February of 2022. Oh, okay. So next year. Um, yeah. Cause we just, uh, I mean, Japan is basically the sickest thing ever <laughs> and for whatever reason we just do really well over there. So, um, there is a desire that we will do, you know, more music. Uh, we just can't, we tried to do the whole writing over the internet thing and it just, it always kind of fell flat. Yeah. So, uh, in preparation for the EP that we put out a couple of years ago, we basically, um, you know, all, I mean, most of us live in Southern California. Mm-hmm. Our bassist Nick plays in circus revive. And so, oh, like, wow. He's, <laughs> yeah. He, he's insanely busy, but I was like, okay, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, like everybody's meeting in Southern California. We're getting a lockout, you know, like let's, you know, we've had these like three and a half song ideas for years. Like, let's just do this, you know, Heck so like, yeah. let's put, you know, 14 hour days into this and like, let's, uh, let's bang it out. And so we were able to do that. Um, and then that's what, you know, uh, eventually turned into our EP. And so I know that we would need to do that for this particular, um, scenario as well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, once, once the world returns to, you know, somewhat normal, then I know we'll get together and kind of figure out what the next steps would look like. But yeah, there's for sure desire to do more. Heck yeah. Okay. That's awesome. That's so cool to hear. And like, and also, yeah, like I, I saw like, again, I saw you postpone the Japan tour and uh, knowing that it's with Hope's Fall also is insane. So like, like, yep. how did, like, are you just like, like do like friends with that, that band or like, did, did they just like say like, yo, please come with us or like, and then also like, this is another question on top of that like so you guys also do very well in japan that that that, that, in my mind that's that's so sick (laughs) like that's so far away oh i know and honestly it's a very um it it still blows my mind because i mean it came about in such a you know sort of backdoor way for lack of a better term because like you know, I mean, Taken broke up, whatever, 2004. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started Makoto after that, you know, maybe a year later or so. Okay. Um, and once uh, Makoto kind of started putting out music, uh, we had a lot of different labels from Japan show interest. And wow. like, I had always anecdotally heard that Taken quote unquote did well over in Japan. And like, uh, it, it that it meant nothing to me because I'm like, well, what does do well? Like, yeah, selling one record in Japan to for me is like doing well. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and so, as uh, you know, as I started to kind of have that knowledge in my head, and then Makoto releasing music and having people like we had literally like three songs on the internet, and people were writing me being like, hey, I want to put out your stuff in Japan. What? I was like, this is so yeah. I was like, this is so bizarre. I'm like, dude, we've played like two shows here in the states. Like, what is this? So, dude. Anyways. 
long story short, started to develop a relationship with a label called Falling Leaves Records over in Japan, which, you know, basically just a bedroom label, you know, one dude that's putting out records over there. Um, and he then after he put out our demo over there, he was like, I want you to come over to Japan. And I was like, what are you talking dude. about? Like, so we did. And the, this was 2006, 2007. I can't remember the exact year, but around that time. So we went to Japan to tour off of our demo, which, again, is just hilarious to even say that. Yeah, sentence. seriously. And <laughs> so we started playing shows over there. And I mean, we, we played like, I don't know, seven or eight shows, like so many in Japan. Like normally now when we go over there, it's about four or five. So okay. the first tour was like a lot. Yeah. I was like, wow, OK, but. <laughs> But the shows we played, I mean, they were like two, 300 kids, which I was like, what? again, just my, yeah, my mind was blown. And what was really interesting was that people were like, you know, I, I really like Makoto, but you know, like, I want to talk to you about Taken. And I was like, wow, <laughs> no like, way. this is really cool like, that you obviously, you know, came to this show because you heard, heard of Taken and you're like, oh, it's a new Taken band, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so after, uh, I, I think it was. Two, after I had done two tours with Makoto over there, I brought it up to the guy who had put out our records over there and brought us over there. I was like, hey, if I got the guys like in Taken to want to do this, like, you know, do you think it would be good? And he was like, it will be incredible. Like, Dude. I would love to do it. So when I came back home from that tour, brought it up to the Taken guys. Anyways, long story short, we went over there. The shows were like almost twice as large as the Makoto what? shows. It was, oh, dear. yeah, it was, yeah, it was unbelievable. And then, um, it was it was for about seven years in a row. It was like uh, Taken would go one year, Makoto would go the next year, <laughs> then Taken would go. It was such a you know, uh, uh, yeah. It, frankly, it was just a blessing. Like yeah. I just couldn't, you know. Uh, we developed such a a strong relationship with the people that were like going to the shows. Like we would see the same people come time and time again, Dude. and like it just I don't know. It, it it's still to, like one of the most defining moments, uh, you know, of my musical career, just being able to like go over there and just see how passionate people are about melodic hardcore. Like yeah. they just love it. And so anyways, to tie back to the hopes fall taken stuff, taken went over there. Uh, I want to say it was 2017, 2017, 2018. Okay. Um, we started working with a different promoter to bring us over there. He brought us over there and he's a guy that, <clears throat> Is a legend in the Japanese hardcore scene, and frankly, the American hardcore scene too. Is a guy named Koba plays oh, bass okay. for a band called Lo Yeah Loyal to the Grave, and he's just a guy. He literally knows everybody in hardcore, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he I had met him many many years ago when like Makoto was on tour over there, and so he had approached us with the idea of you know like hey uh, you know the guy who originally brought us over there was doing you know far less shows and so he's like but i do them you know pretty regularly so like how about i plan this and we're like okay cool as long as nobody's like feelings are hurt like yeah. <laughs> i would love to come over there again and so we went over there and uh, you know i just uh, since i'm already friends with him i was like we, we were about halfway through the tour uh it was just by ourselves <clears throat> we were just playing with local bands uh from japan i was like we've never come over with a band from the US. I was like, you know, Koba is his name. And I was like, Koba, you know, would it be cool if like we came over with another band in the States? And we, so we started kicking around ideas and it was funny. It was just like me and him at a diner. And yeah. we just started, you know, I was like, oh, what about like, you know, Misery Signals? And he was like, oh, that would be cool. We just kicked around all these ideas. And then I was like, what about Hope's Fall? Because like, I, you know, I'm friendly with a few of the guys in Hope's Fall because Taken played with them a few times in the early 2000s. Yeah. And he was like, 
oh my gosh. He's like, that would be incredible. They never came over to Japan. And so that night I was texting with the guitarist and I was like, dude, I know this sounds weird, but like, you know, <laughs> do you guys want to come with us to Japan? And they were like, oh my God, it sounds incredible. So anyways, that's how it happened. I was just texting and having a conversation in a diner. And then, um, yeah, you know, fast forward a year later, we were going to go over there. <laughs> dude. Oh my God, dude. It's, Oh, it's, <laughs> that's so cool. I love, I love those stories so much, man, because it's like, like you, oh, oh, I don't even know what to say. It's just so cool to hear someone that like appreciates it that much. And like also to have people to appreciate you in another country, dude, like to like, like, like you said, it was twice the size of Makoto and, and like that, like, th- dude, Oh man, I'm I, I I'm always so happy to hear that type of stuff. It literally just makes me feel good to know that like ba- like bands are be able to do that because people like respect them that far away and they're like, yes, please come over. And especially to some some label to put out your stuff from like Mikoto as a a demo, and then you go over there to tour on that. Like you said, that's a sentence that should never come out of anyone's mouth. Like it's it's no. it, it's the coolest thing to come out of someone's mouth, but like, dude. I would have never expected that. That's so badass. Yeah. Oh, no, for sure. It's it's definitely one of those things that I just I mean, even it's like being friendly with, you know, I, I mean, working in the music industry for as long as I have, like you, you just obviously get to know so many different people. Yeah. And it's like bands that are literally like, you know, 40 times larger than Taken ever was where it's like, <laughs> I like, you know, my friends in Thrice, they're just like, yeah, we've been to Japan once <laughs> and we played like one festival over there. And I'm like, why is it that I got, to, I've got to go over there like nine times. Like you guys, you, you know, you're, this is your career, yeah. you're musicians. And it's just like, it's just such a weird thing, but it's like, you know, that just goes to show like the power of music can, you know, put you in so many different places. Oh, dude, that's so cool, man. Like that is, that is insane, dude. And like, <laughs> Oh, I, I exactly. And then also going like it, putting you in cool places, like, is like, like, how was playing that curl up and die show back in 2019? Like, like that had to have been amazing because like, I, like again, I, I saw, I watched like the live video and saying like, you guys toured with them the most, like how was it to be able to be on the stage with them again? I, I mean, it felt exactly like, you know, old times. Oh, uh, it so just, cool. yeah. I mean, they, they were our literal, our literal sister band. Like we, <clears throat> between them and a band like this day forward, we toured okay. with those bands the most like curl up and die was just like, we were attached to the hip. Like I remember <laughs> there was one time <clears throat> where we were on tour together and then they broke off and they did like a week's worth of dates with like um, these other bands, like this band called Dead to Fall and this band called Maharaj, like, you know, kind of okay. two really sort of like forgotten about metalcore bands. But yeah, <laughs> um, but I, I remember being distinctly like jealous because I was like, wait, what do you mean you guys are playing shows without us? <laughs> <laughs> It was so stupid because it's like, dude, why why would we constantly tour with the same band over and over? It's just like, what are our friends? Like, of course we're gonna do that. Exactly. But um because there was no business principles tied to it, it was just like, <laughs> oh, okay, like, yeah, of course we're gonna curl tour with Curl Up and Die. And so I was I was just so excited because it took forever to get that uh, you know, kind of on the books because there were so many 
starts and stops where certain members wanted to do it, other members didn't want to do it. And, um, you know, I'd remain close to Mike Minnick, the vocalist for, you know, the entire, I mean, he, he and I became best friends. When we were like 16 years old. So Heck yeah. I, I've just, you know, tried to push them forward as much as humanly possible. And I was like, well, yeah, like the moment that you guys are obviously playing a chain reaction show, like we of course are playing, like I'll move heaven and earth to make it happen. Oh, and so, dude, um, cool. so yeah, it was just, it was really fun too, because it was like, us playing that show did not take any shine off of them. And it was awesome because like, frankly, 80% of the people that were there, um, you know, maybe had some tangential uh, knowledge of who we were, yeah. but there were so many people who were there just to check out curl up and die because they were like, I never got to see them when they were originally around. And it was just so it was, it was awesome to watch it. Oh, that's so cool, dude. That is that that's amazing, dude. Especially, especially to be back with like a sister band that you played with forever ago. And like to share the same stage, like, the, again like in, in exactly the same form that you guys would have is that 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 makes it feel that makes it feel even like cooler than i bet a lot of people would think it's like dude yeah but like we used to literally be in like the same life basically that is so sick yeah for sure it was really special dude and then so like okay i have two two last questions to ask you okay okay and uh so like this one is kind of weird, and I like to ask every every everyone that comes on uh, if your podcast was a TV show, what TV show would it be? Uh, oh, that's a good question. Um, so I'm going to think. So there, uh, there. Uh, there was a interview based show. Uh, Dick Cavett was his name. Okay. Uh, this was a show that was on. Gosh, I'm I'm going to completely butcher the era, but I want to <laughs> say this was like 60s, 70s, maybe. Okay. Um, but basically, it was like a late night show. Um, but it, the whole it, the hour long show was basically just an interview, oh, and wow. he was kind of the first guy to do. You know, I mean, there of course was other journalists that were doing you know long form interviews, but. Yeah. He was kind of coming at it from the standpoint that like, you know, he uh, had been in the entertainment industry for a long time. And like the conversations that he would have with people were, again, similar things that I am trying to do myself. Like I I obviously, uh, you know, am not uh, as uh, successful or (laughs) of 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 note uh, of, uh, you know, of of what he is as a person. But yeah, so that's just the first thing that popped in my head, because like I do, you know, you, you can find his his old interviews on YouTube pretty, uh, pretty easily, but he, you know, cause he would have celebrities and people like they would just, you know, feel really comfortable and at home with him to discuss things that they typically would not be able to talk about in any other, um, you know, format because oh. it was a longer form interview. And, um, yeah, and sometimes it'd be silly. Sometimes it'd be serious, but it was just always, you knew you were going to get a good interview out of him. And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of, that's, where my head goes oh dude that's awesome like and also like wait so what was his name again dick cabot okay i'm gonna have to look that up because i love like again like if it if it has like anything to do with like how like your podcast is like it in in that way like i'm i feel like i would love that and especially to hear about like people from the 60s or 70s or whatever time frame it was is going to be even is is another form of like cool so i'm stoked like that that's so awesome yeah, no, for sure. He's just like it, it, the 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 stuff that he would pull out of people that it's just like you know whether it's like 
you know, Catherine Hepburn or like, you know, David Bowie, just like he it just he ran the gamut. Anybody that was interesting to him, he would have on the show. And it was just always, you know, it was always really cool to see how broad of, uh, you know, a, a palette he worked with as far as like his interests and like how far he'd be willing to go with his guests. It was just always really cool. That's awesome. That That is so sick, dude. And so like, the last question I like to ask is, uh, is so I like what has been like the best and worst show you have ever played? And like, I like to like start off with the best and end on the worst. So people are like, wow, why do you even play music? Like, <laughs> like, uh, uh, yep. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Um, so yeah, best there. Okay. The, the, the there are a lot of like <laughs> quote unquote best shows yeah. that I've played just because like either it's a really specific visceral memory, but like there, the, and this is what I'm going to lean into just because it is um, a very unique memory where it's like, I remember, so taken played a show. We did like a West coast tour with uh, thrice oh, and they sick. were, it, it was like, they were just kind of, I mean, they were popular. They were very popular, yeah. but like it, it was definitely, you know, pre them to, you know, artists in the ambulance. Like oh, okay. it was, you know, they were, they were still on hopeless, but like they were, you know, definitely ascending. Yeah. And so they brought us along for a string of shows in the West coast and we got to play uh, the Roxy with them in Hollywood. Nice. And it was one of those things that, I mean, we're used to playing like, you know, quote unquote real clubs, like we're to have a PA and all this yeah. other stuff, but like, <laughs> You know, like we didn't we didn't play Hollywood or L.A. very much just because that's not, you know, a notorious all ages scene. Yeah. And so I just remember it was funny because we felt, um, you know, we felt stoked, obviously, be on the road with them and like, you know, play in front of their audience, which was like going to be completely flabbergasted of this band that was just yelling at them <laughs> or whatever. And so I remember and like the Roxy, uh, they have this curtain where it's like, you know, obviously bands set up their equipment and then they they pull the curtain before the band plays. Yeah. And I just, I, I close my eyes and I can remember it right now where it was just like, you know, we had all of our equipment set up and it was just kind of like, we were just acting like total goofballs where it was just like, you know, <laughs> we're behind the curtain, like everybody get pumped. Like, you know, we, we want to come out swinging. And so, um, and then we played the show and it was awesome. And it was like, you know, kids were uh, really receptive to us and, you know, they didn't, have any idea of who we really were beforehand but then you know by the end of the show they were like you know buying merch from us and everything that you obviously want from a show that you're playing to a crowd that has no idea who you yeah. are um, <laughs> but i just remember that being a really fun show because it, it still felt intimate enough and small enough to feel uh, connected to it um you know because we definitely played you know much larger shows where it was like oh cool like we get to play you know in front of a thousand people or whatever. And like, yeah. it, of course that's a, that's a sick opportunity and it's, you know, a, a really good feeling, but um, it, it felt just really cool to be like, dude, we're at the Roxy with a bunch of our friends playing the show. It's completely sold out. And it's just like, you know, there was a lot of things about that, that, you know, made that night really special. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. So that was, that, that's, uh, you know, one of the, the first thing that comes to my mind. And then as far as worst shows, um, there, I, well, this was like a completely embarrassing show where <laughs> we played this. This was definitely earlier on in the 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 Taken career. Uh, we played a place called Showcase Theater, which oh, is no longer yeah. uh, in business in Corona, California. Um, and there was a tour coming through. We we were fortunate enough where we got you know a, a really good relationship with the people that booked at Showcase Theater. So they usually would throw us on some pretty awesome local. Like we were like the local band on a touring package. Oh, okay. Um, 
And so there was this huge show that was happening. Um, it was a, a band called Overcast, which was like pre-Shadows Fall, um, you know, really big sort of like metalcore band in the late 90s. Yeah. Uh, then a band called Disembodied. Wow. And then Shy Halud. Wow. <laughs> and yeah, it was total stack lineup. Yeah. Like, I mean, we knew the, uh, Disembodied alone would sell out the showcase. So it was like, you know, whatever, 500 people there. And so we were, we played right before the touring package. So it was like uh, uh, one band, then us, and then the touring package. So we were like, so stoked. <laughs> and we played, well, first of all, uh, <laughs> the in true late 90s fashion, um, some bands jumped on the show at the last minute, like they were on tour. And, you know, they jumped on the show because they were friends with, you know, some of the touring bands, yeah. whatever, yeah. like, that's fine. It happened, you know, but like, it, the 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 two bands that play there's a a band called Ukula the Mock which is like a completely irrelevant metalcore band but then there was a band called Grimlock that played um and they were um uh just like a super heavy kind of like hate breedish type band okay and uh you know like relatively well known in that you know in that sort of time frame and so they played they basically played right before us and it was one of those things where you know the both of those bands split like a you know 15 minutes set or whatever yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the moment that grimlock started playing um it, the, the crowd was just losing their minds like you know people were just killing each other and it was one of those things like i distinctly remember watching them play and being like we're screwed we're done for like, <laughs> oh man this, yeah this is not gonna be good for us because like we you know, people sort of knew who we were but like you know we only had a seven inch out like you know like it it it, it wasn't like people were hotly anticipating us playing yeah <laughs> so anyways we watch Grimlock completely destroy the stage. We then, you know, get up and, you know, set up our equipment and stuff like that. We play a song and a half and like, whatever, it's going okay. But then our guitarist breaks, uh, uh, I don't know, at least two of his strings. Oh, like wow. he just, so breaks the strings. And then in true, you know, dumb, dumb young band fashion, we did not have a backup guitar. Yeah. <laughs> so I am sitting there in front of the crowd pleading just like hey does anybody have a guitar we could borrow oh <laughs> man does anybody have a guitar and like straight up no one's moving no one is making like w- there are you know seven other bands playing the show like, no one is helping us out oh my god <laughs> it was like and so i had to sit there for like you know a good five to seven minutes while our guitarist you know replaced his strings oh. he fortunately had replacement strings but like it just it, we just bombed completely it's so, like we played you know, two and a half songs in front of a completely sold out show. It was just like, oh my gosh, like just super, <laughs> super embarrassing. But like, you know, what What, what are you going to do? So that that is definitely one of the worst shows I've ever played. <laughs> Dude, like, and also like being the person to plead for the guitar is even worse because like, it's it's not your fault <laughs> and like and like dude i felt like, yeah i felt like such an idiot where it's just like and like especially reiterating it like more than once where i was just like you know hey does anybody have a guitar and then like no one moves and then you know a couple of like hey um does anybody have a guitar <laughs> please yeah does anybody yeah it's like oh dude it's so punishing yeah, maybe someone didn't hear me let me let me say it again like like right yeah for the people in the back that may have missed it does anybody have a guitar because like i am dying up here <laughs> dude that five to seven minutes was probably like the set like the like just like a you basically pull the whole set and you're just like oh oh my god like dude that's brutal totally. oh my god yep. dude Yep, that was uh, yeah, that was a uh, that was a good one, <laughs> yeah, and, I, and especially too, like I see that flyer shit around on the internet, and I just I look at that and I'm like, God, dude, like what a <laughs> sick show, but like holy moly, I wish we didn't play it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, dude, that's amazing. That like, 
Oh, dude. Well, okay. Well, like, what I, I do. Thank you so much for even wanting to like being able to come on. This is this has been so cool, and also like a a huge like milestone in my head because I never thought I'd be able to like talk to you, and especially to be able to like, well, for you to be able to record and then send it to me. Uh, <laughs> like that's like it's such a it's such a, an honor because like in my head like you are such like a huge podcaster to me. So like that is it's so cool. So thank you, dude. Thank you so much. It's my it's my pleasure, Josh. I, you're uh, anybody in the podcast community. I'm stoked to talk to. So yeah, I'm just I'm I'm I appre- I'm appreciative of your support and I'm appreciative of your interest. So thank you, man. Heck yeah, dude. Well, well, uh, what I'm gonna do, uh, if anything, like uh, I'll, I'll t- I'm gonna talk to you right after this. So if, if <laughs> it feels so weird, if you could end it, and then I'll just talk to you right after. <laughs> I still can't believe I, I got to talk to him. I, I got to talk to Ray Harkins. I've been listening to his podcast for years. As you can tell, I I said it a million times. Like it was, it was so awesome to me because I don't know. He has been such like a like I guess an influence, which is really cool. And I I didn't even think about that. And I did. I don't know why I didn't say that. I should have. Like like listening to his podcast made me think like, damn. Like I wish I could do that. And then like Danny pushed me, and knowing that. I still listen to him like all the time and oh man oh it's just so cool so thank you Ray for coming on that was so cool thank you for oh just telling me everything that was just so much fun like you were oh he was such an amazing guest so I hope I hope all of you enjoyed it I know I did this is such like a huge a huge moment to me and it was just so cool so again Ray thank you for coming on I Oh, I can't I just I just don't even know what to say but again thank you for everyone that's listening and continues to listen or if this is your first episode hello nice to meet you uh please come back uh but like yeah thank you so much and guess what I will see you on the next episode <laughs>